Live from the basement of Voodoo Sound, it's time to get your mojo working. I got my mojo working, but it just won't work on you. Take the next 40 odd minutes to get your hands on some tips and tools that will get you working at your best in both your business and your personal life. Hey everybody and welcome to this week's edition of the Mojo Radio Show. Heavily fueled on caffeine, bulletproof coffee for <laughs> breakfast, ready to rock and roll. This show is about finding people that we think are interesting that we can have a chat to on the line and extract from them info and opinions and tips and tools that you and I can put into our world to get our mojo working, whether it be at work, at play with our family, or just our own personal mojo. So this week is no exception. We've got a cracking guest uh, on the line. Before we start the show, one little tidbit for you that came in from one of our listeners who was talking about listening to the show on her desktop. And she said, love the show, it's fantastic, but I can't always sit in front of my desktop to listen to the show on your website. Folks, if you haven't downloaded the podcast app onto your mobile device, do it. You'll find it in your appropriate app store. When you've done that, subscribe to our show on iTunes or on Stitcher. And every Monday morning, it will be delivered directly to your app. And then you can listen to it on the bus or the train or out riding your bike or in the gym or when you're sitting under a tree with your journal. So that's the most efficient way to listen to podcasts. Let's get the show going in the studio. (laughs) That's my Phil Collins impersonation. Uh, Robo, how's it going, mate? It's good, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, mate. Um... Let's. Uh, we've got a good show this week, so mm. we're not going to beat around the bush. Let's. Mm. Um, let's just throw our twenty cents worth in. Have you found anything on the interwebs this week for us? Robbo's what's hot? Oh, I've been a little bit inspired by the interweb this week. I um I came across a story out of Berlin. Um, about a new company called the Original Ulva Pact, which is the world's first zero-waste grocery store. Actually, if I could just interject there, I think mm. Ulva Pact is the German for unpacked. <laughs> is it really? Oh, there you go. It probably is. <laughs> my um, my second year uh, German's not coming back to help me at the moment. <laughs> yeah, nothing nothing from school much comes back no, to help me, buddy. Really. But anyway, uh, interesting story. Yeah. So what is what what is an Unverpack? It was created by a couple of women called Sarah Wolf and Milena Glimbowski, who were determined to create something impossible in their words. They used crowdfunding to finance it and wanted to challenge traditional the traditional shopping experience. This shop though. There's no packages or bags of any type and they sell no packaged products either. So what you do is you go in and you buy the quantity of the product you need. So say you want some shampoo, you take your own container down to the grocery store, you dispense the amount of shampoo you want, you go to the counter and you pay by weight. Hmm. which is just so clever. But it's not just personal items. You can get eggs, sugar, butter, muesli, fruit and veg, of course. Um, there's Tim slices. Tams? Tim Tams. Pasta, <laughs> cereals, flour. Even Get this, even wine. Really? Which is pretty clever. Yeah, even wine. So the ladies say they were inspired by a report that waste caused by food packaging has hit 16 million tonnes in Germany alone combined with food wastage annually that has a price tag of some 19 billion pounds a year. Mm. 
So um, it sounds like, uh, it sounds to me like we should get these ladies on the show, mate. Uh, let's do it. That's a cool idea. We'll mm. put a link to your story in our show notes. Just mm. go to the mojoradioshow.com and pull down the show. The show will be Tom Cronin will be the episode. Uh, we'll put the link in the show notes. It's interesting. This is... For anybody who's into retail or into particularly food, supermarket food service, this is interesting because it's creating a whole new category that doesn't exist yeah. in supermarkets. And don't you just love two girls who sat down and said, let's create something impossible. I yes. just think that's the coolest. <laughs> I'd go I'd go to their store just on just that. Just on that, vibe. yeah. Yeah, maybe they should put that on the front window of the store underneath the name. They should put something impossible. <laughs> mm. I, didn't, I think that's I think it's great. fantastic. Good story, mate. We yeah, like I was that. inspired when I saw it. Well, I have one for you. Mm. Gary's 20 cents worth. We we do like our music on the Mojo Radio Show. Indeed and we do. many of the guys that I know or hang out with love Spotify and they've got it going 24-7. Mm. Well, I was sent an email by a listener who goes by the name of Habib mm. and he introduced us to a brand called Munify. And Munify is essentially a Spotify, only is for indie artists. Oh, okay. Wow. So you subscribe. It's a music streaming service. You subscribe. You can get it through iOS, Android, and desktop. Mm. And you just pay a dollar fifty a month membership fee. Wow. And you can listen to all this cool new music from yeah. guys that don't have a record company labeled behind them, but just want exposure. Mm. What's pretty neat about this is the artist gets 70% of the membership that you and I pay, and then mm. the rest of it, I guess the old 30% goes to Monify so they can run the business. But this was all done to give artists a voice and give them a, a place to be able to have their music heard and for yeah. you and I to have a place where we can go and hear music that's not commercially played to death and yeah. uncover some new... Um, yeah. So there you go. A bit like our old Triple M days of, um, you know, the unearthed or uh, yeah. uncovering the new artists sort of well, thing. Well, look, even more so, I think um, it was, you know, back a couple of episodes now during Rocktober, we spoke to Di Pritchard and he was talking about it as well, you know, how, you know, the days of the, the big fat record, record exec deciding what music it, we all get to listen to are, are sort of on their way out thanks to, thanks to people like this, you know, who are doing things like mm. this and giving music... Um, or giving people's music, it's it's some air, you know? I think it's fantastic. So we're going to... Um, I've actually been in touch with the guys behind it. They love the show, our show, which is nice. Great. And uh, we're going to get them on for a bit of a chat about this because I think I'd like to know what's behind it, the dream, and uh, kind yeah. of how it's all going so far. So um, there's another one for the Mojo Radio Show vault for guests that are coming up. So there you go. Big show's coming up. The Mojo Radio Show. Mate, our guest this week, have you seen the movie... Wolf of Wall Street. I have indeed. Yeah. But did, did you like it? Yeah. Yeah, it's not my kind of movie, to be honest. But yeah, it was, it, it, you know, it's certainly well acted and, and well shot. Yeah, not a bad movie. Because we've got a wolf on. A wolf. <laughs> so get this, right? Just, just before I introduce Tom, mm. who mm. is our Wolf of Wall Street, literally. Yeah. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we spoke about Google and the people with Googliness. Yes. Who have set up this amazing infrastructure for their staff. Mm. So the fit out of the offices is all done around creativity and productivity and performance and managing stress. Well, there's actually a reason why companies like Googliness and Nike and Apple are now embracing things like meditation because mm. they're doing it to try and reduce the stress levels in companies. And what 
I guess the companies at the front end of embracing new trends or new findings, these companies are realizing that there's a detrimental impact that stress can have on the efficiency and health of their staff. So, of course, productivity drops. Mm. And Dr. Bruce Lipton, I saw a paper, uh, he's from Stanford University Medical School, said in one of the medical journals that 95% of all sicknesses we have today is due to stress. Right. So if you look at what's going on around us, 95%, particularly in the workplace, is related back to stress. And PwC more recently said that this is costing the Australian economy alone, don't worry about any other economies, just the Australian economy, $11 billion a year in stress and mental health issues. That's more than our politicians. Yeah. Now, (laughs) one in five Australian workers are experiencing some sort of mental health condition like depression or anxiety. Mm. Um, And many workplaces are now starting to understand this. So I'm sitting at a coffee shop with a mate of mine called Glenn Campbell, who is an expert in brand and marketing and and helping people with leadership, CEO leadership. And Mm. we were having this conversation and he said, you should speak to Tom Cronin. So Glenn, being the great guy he is, put us in touch. I had a chat to Tom and he's agreed to come on the show. Now, Tom's a meditation teacher, a life mentor, speaker, a writer, a producer. Mm. But the reason we introduced him as a former wolf of Wall Street is he spent 26 years as a broker and he was in that world. Mm. But it was breaking him and he decided to leave that world and embark on what he believed his true mission was, was spreading a message of calm and stillness around the world. And he's exactly doing that. And it's with great pleasure we welcome Tom Cronin. Welcome to the Mojo Radio Show, buddy. That's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me along. Tom, can we just start at the start? Can you just explain the sort of work you're doing now and who you're doing it for or with? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. Uh, I founded the Stillness Project, which is a global movement to inspire one billion people to meditate daily. So probably what our pulse is, what sort of we wake up for and, and do what we do is to buy people to embrace a process of sitting in stillness on a daily basis. We feel that uh, you know, the world has become very frazzled, overwhelmed, and in a state of imbalance. And one thing that completely changed my life was uh, the process of sitting in meditation or stillness on a daily basis. So because of the incredible shift that I went through as a result of this practice, um, you know, my motivation is to inspire it and bring it out to the masses and hopefully uh, inspire other people to do the same with their lives. And I see it time and time again change people's lives as, uh, you know, they embrace this meditation technique that we teach. And uh, even just yesterday we received a lovely email from a lady overseas who uh, who was at, you know, the, the end of her, her choices. She'd really felt that it wasn't much further for her to go in life and um, she found this technique of meditation and now she's just reclaimed her life back and it's really great to see things like that. Wow, that's really amazing. Is there Was there a moment that inspired you to do that to begin with? Or like, where did the inspiration to do this come from in the first place? Firstly, it was um, having the experience itself, which was 20 years ago, you know, going from, you know, doing lots of drugs and drinking and, you know, partying and having a bit of a nervous breakdown and lots of anxiety and depression to, to actually sitting in, in meditation and having access to the technique itself. And as time sort of went on and my life sort of transformed quite dramatically, um, you know, I guess I just started to feel an inner compulsion to move in a direction. And this is what I teach my students is that when you start to access that space and live life from that space, you just get more impulses to act and compulsions to move in the general direction. Mm. And the, the more I started to 
acquire or experience, the more I wanted to share. So, you know, I guess um, a few years ago, I felt the, the desire or compulsion to want to teach and pass on the technique of meditation and then eventually left finance to um, to create the stillness project and that was three years ago now. Wow, well, okay. Tom, you were you were really living the the life of the wolf of Wall Street, weren't you, for a while? And you you came to a turning point to put you on this new journey. Can you remember what that turning point was? I remember it quite clearly actually. Um, the turning point was I guess you'd want to clarify it as a nervous breakdown. <laughs> um, which wasn't a, an, an, an essential part of the process I had to go through, I guess. Um, you know, I'd been doing some pretty crazy things. I worked on the trading room floor, turning over swaps and bonds, billions of dollars a day. And then at night time, we were pulling out corporate annex cards and hitting the bars and clubs and restaurants and doing lots of shenanigans, I guess you'd call it, in a polite mm. term. And, you know, this led to some, some extreme stress on my nervous system and eventually... The nervous system can only take so much wear and tear before it starts to fray, and uh, mine frayed quite substantially. So I was getting these sort of extreme panic attacks, and eventually that metamorphosed into a depression. And then one day it sort of ultimately collapsed in a bit of a heap in a nervous breakdown. Um, and it was at that point where, you know, I was in a sort of three-month sort of lull of, you know, not being able to go to work and seeing psychiatrists and on pharmaceutical drugs, but... You know, it was in that time that I really started to explore other alternatives. I just really didn't feel that Western medicine approach was the answer for me. Mm. So I started to look into alternative modalities that were potentially going to get me out of this situation. And what I found was, you know, lots of different meditation styles, but eventually came across one that really was quite transformational for me. And it was a deep transcending style meditation and, you know, that was like a big turning point for me. It really was quite an instantaneous effect that it was having on my life. So, you know, I really sort of explored deep down that rabbit hole. Tom, I think there are a lot of people who are probably in that same boat that you were in but don't know it. Can you, for someone who might be there who doesn't know it but in your mind you suspect they are, what are the character? What's the, what are the characteristics like? How do you know that you're in that place where you know what your nervous system can't take anymore? It is time to do something different. Yeah, you know, I did a talk the other night. We we're talking about anxiety and panic, and one of the speakers was talking about um, tips to deal with, you know, when you get these panic attacks. And really, what we've got to be asking ourselves: so Why are we having that? Why are we having that mm. in the first place? You know, anything where we've got even colds and flus and anxiety or depression or, or rage and, you know, any of this sort of imbalance, anything that's ultimately not joyful and light and calm and um, fun and, and, you know, blissful, we have to ask ourselves why we're not having that experience. We've come to sort of normalise to living fairly mediocrity and um, fairly mediocre, I should say. And, um, you know, we have 40% of Americans on pharmaceutical drugs and mm. one in four women in England, suffering from anxiety. We have a 2,000% increase in Ritalin in children under the age of 12. You know, we're kind of normalising to this paradigm of accepting that we have an imbalance and just taking tablets, uh, hoping that that will go away. So we've really got to look at the root cause. And when someone is feeling, uh, I would say, any level of anxiety, um, any level of overwhelm, then there is absolutely uh, a way to remove that, a way to restore balance. Uh, and it's really about getting 
and firstly understanding the body, why the body is actually in that state in the first place. It's very uncomplicated. It's very, very simple. Uh, we have sympathetic nervous system and parasympathetic nervous system. Uh, when we're too much in fight or flight, uh, we're going to get huge levels of distortion in our body on so, excuse me, on so many different levels. When we have deep levels of rest and calmness, we simply have a lot of balance being restored. And this is one the, the third law of thermodynamics is that you know as deep excitation occurs, that is, as something becomes calmer, we generally get more order. And we just have way too much stimulation in our lives, way too much disorder as a result. And, um, you know, for someone out there right now that uh, that is experiencing any level of overwhelm, what I would highly recommend doing uh, is starting to look at the, the daily structure that you have in your life and ask yourself, are you sitting in, in stillness? Are you meditating uh, on a regular basis so that you get mental and physical health? as a result of that mental and physical well-being, as a result of that. What does anxiety feel like, Tom? I, I, I really like the stuff you're talking about here. And when you were, give me ex- real examples of when you were on the trading floor and you were having this feeling of overwhelm or anxiety, what, what, what were the occasions? Like, what did that feel like? How did, you, how did you know that this was going on? Like, what does anxiety feel like to somebody? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, To be honest with you, I didn't feel anxiety on the trading room floor. I felt adrenaline. And Mm. I I loved the feeling of walking on that floor and there's all, you know, thousands of squawk boxes calling out prices and TV monitors hanging down from screens and, you know, a hundred guys yelling and screaming. I loved that adrenaline. I loved that it was on the edge all the time. (laughs) Um, I didn't feel a a sense of anxiousness there. It's just the, the same sensation you get when you're in the queue just about to get on the roller coaster at Luna Park or a fun park. Or, or, or you just sat on the seat of the roller coaster and it's about to take off. It's that, you know, that mix of adrenaline and mm. fear and excitement all in one. And it was, it's a very, you know, palpable experience. It was very enjoyable, something that I got addicted to. Um, the anxiety was something that would happen outside of that experience. And it would be something that you'd get when you're actually about to go to a, a client lunch or a be something that you get at home when you wake up in the morning or, you know, at night time when you're in, in bed about to fall asleep. It would come at the strangest times. And I've got to differentiate the difference between anxiety and panic attacks. So anxiety mm-hmm. is an overall, uh, a general sense of um, hyperstimulation and fear. And it's really a result of uh, the fire-flight symptom of being, you know, in a situation that's seemed, seemed dangerous by the body not necessarily is dangerous. Now, a panic attack is like a tsunami of that experience. It's like a, an overwhelming experience mm. of panic and fear, which um, you know can exacerbate into symptoms like uh, nausea, uh, cold sweats, uh, you know, wanting to vomit or, or, or go to the toilet, um, having short breath, tingling sensational through your skin like pins and needles. Uh, it, it's you know. It can be quite, um, you know, manifest in so many different ways. And a lot of people don't. I didn't even know I was having panic attacks. I, I just had no idea what it was. And I was getting them for, for a few years, and these waves of fear and dread and nausea and and um, just not wanting to leave the house and um, these flu-like symptoms. So it was quite unusual. I'd like to um, drill into this sort of silence and stillness, um, Tom. I, I read a book recently which I had recommended called The Art of Stillness, by mm-hmm. Pico 
Iyer, I-Y-E-R. I don't know if you've um, come yep. across that yep. book. Pico Iyer. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and <laughs> there was a piece in there that said there was a 30-year study of time diaries done by two sociologists. Mm-hmm. And what he found was that Americans in general are working less hours than they did back in the 60s but they actually feel like they're working more and they now have the feeling of always running at top speed and never really catching up. Mm. Would you concur with that? Is that something that you're observing sort of as you travel? Do you see that's happening across the world? Yeah, exponentially, without doubt, in every country. Uh, And there's definitely a, uh, they call it a quickening, there's a quickening of life. And, um, you know, some people talk about it on an esoteric level, that it's just a, a speeding up of the collective vibration, but there's also um, just a speeding up of the way we do things and the, the amount of change that we embrace and how quickly we move from one thing to the other and how quickly we absorb information. Everything's speeding up, how quickly we move through our relationships. It is definitely a, a, a quickening that's happening. And as you say, you know, we might not necessarily be working longer, but I think we're certainly more stressed. And you, you've, you're on this fantastic journey of stillness and, and quiet. And I just wonder about that because I saw a, a quote from a monk who said that one of the laws of sitting still says, if you enter with the set purpose of seeking contemplation and worse still happiness, you find neither. But neither can be found unless it is in the first instance renounced. Are there people who you come across who want to join with you and want to do this, but they sit down and concentrate so hard on finding contemplation or quietening the mind that it just becomes impossible for them? Yeah, look, I mean, it's, yeah, there's different, it's really important we understand there's different types of meditation. And when we say contemplation, we're basically contemplating all day long. Uh, let's just get this correct, that uh, contemplation is basically thinking. Uh, and and we're thinking from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep. It's just yeah. that when we say contemplation, meditation, it just means we're being a little bit proactive about the thoughts that we're having rather than reactive. But needless to say, we're still having thoughts, and if we're having thoughts, we're not really in stillness. So but that said, contemplation, meditations are still relevant and still there's still definitely a place for them, and I still embrace them on a daily basis. It might be gratitude, it might be intention setting, it might be affirmations. Uh, these are contemplation meditations. Just explain where mindfulness falls into this, Tom. Is there a difference between meditation? What is the difference between meditation, mindfulness, and maybe stillness? I mean, can you practice yeah, yeah. those three things differently? Do they all sit together as one an outcome of the other? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a really good question. I did a uh, video blog on this uh, not long ago. It's on our blog, blog site um, where I explain distinctly the difference between mindfulness and meditation from my perspective. So, mm. again, this is something that's always open to interpretation and certainly debate, and I'm always open to listening to other people's perspectives of these things, not a fundamental truth, it's just my perspective. So mindfulness to me is um, being aware of the thoughts that I'm having and being proactive about the way I'm using my mind to think. Uh, Do I want to have this thought? I have 50,000 thoughts today. What are the thoughts that I'm going to have today and Mm. how are they serving my highest purpose? Are they my thoughts or are Mm. they... My new, the news that I'm watching, are they the Facebook posts that I'm reading? Are they my mother's thoughts? Are they my religion's thoughts? Are they my political persuasion thoughts? Mm. You know, if you were brought up under the Taliban in the remote mountains of Afghanistan, you'd have a very different way of thinking about the world than if you were brought up 
you know, under a very right-wing Christian family, under a Republican environment in, in Texas or something like that. So um, what are the mm. nature of your thoughts? So mindfulness is about getting clear about your thinking process and getting empowered with choosing specific thoughts that you feel are going to serve your highest interests to create the most amazing life. Meditation is about having no thought. So mindfulness and meditation, they're almost contrarian because meditation for me and, well, the particular style of meditation, the, the, what we're sort of seeking here is to move towards the space of having no thought, which is transcendence. Um, so transcendence is where the mind has gone into pure consciousness, where the mind has released the, um, the charm of thinking and found something more charming, which is the blissful sweet nectar of being in pure consciousness, which is a profound state of awareness without the thought. Now, stillness is simply the byproduct of transcendence. Because when your mind's not having a thought, there's no physiological shifts occurring within the body, no biochemical changes, no physiological changes. The body's become very, very deeply rested when the mind's become still. So you get mental and physical stillness, and in that state, you get profound shifts occurring in the body and mind. Are we finding it hard to do all this, Tom, because we don't have any time off? Like, we don't seemingly because of technology today, you know, we don't have our evenings anymore, we don't have weekends, people are sitting on the, at the pool on holidays, checking in, doing stuff remotely. Do we just, have we yeah. just lost our off switch? Um, yeah, we've definitely lost the downtime. Something happened quite dramatically and we'll look back as, um, as we do look back now on the Industrial Revolution and the age of agriculture and farming um, as two significant shifts in our um, in the history of mankind. We will look back as 2000 and I think in you know, early 2000s as a, a significant shift for mankind where we had access in the palm of our hand to an entire infinite supply of information in in the form of the internet and um, and mobile phones. And what that suddenly did was that the nature of our species is to seek knowledge. It's just the inherent nature of our species to seek knowledge. We've been doing it since we were cavemen. Uh, to seek knowledge and pass on knowledge. It's what a parent does to a child. It's what doctors do to their students. It's what everyone is looking to do in some way, shape or form, pass on knowledge. And the infant, we created this incredible portal called the internet that allows us to pass on knowledge at extreme levels beyond any measure we've ever seen before. You know, that what we used to do was have to sit down and write a book and get it published and then get it into a library or a bookstore. These days you can put something up in seconds on the internet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and it can hit the world. And within literally an hours, you can have 70, 80, 100 million people have seen that information flow. So this is something that is an incredible phenomenon and it creates a huge level of charm for our mind. So it's very, very difficult for us to turn that off. And that's where structured periods of uh, call meditation are really, really important for us to keep sane and balanced in our world. Otherwise, we're going to completely destroy ourselves. You, you're doing a lot of work in um, effective workplace mental health, Tom. Can you give give us an idea of something you've seen specifically or an example of something that's worked particularly well to address some of the things we've spoken about so far in this chat? Like, what what is if, what, what are what are businesses doing that are effective in helping people with this? Yeah, it's a really good question. I am doing a lot of work with companies now because, uh, you know, if we really look at the, the crux of what a company is, the company is not a logo. It's not a profit and loss statement. It's not a share price. 
It's actually just a group of people that wake up each morning to an alarm clock, get on a train or a bus, they rock on up into a building and they do some form of work. And the company's as good as the state of mind of the collective group of people that are working for it. And that's why companies like Google understand that for their mm. staff to be creating incredible, groundbreaking, um, you know, material and products and, you know, things, they need to have their staff in a, a de-excited, stress-free state. So they employ some of the top, you know, meditation teachers, Tuckton Khan, to run programs for their staff. And, um, you know, it's, it, this is what we're seeing is that uh, there's a huge shift for companies to realise that a stressed workplace is really not a very productive, successful and happy workplace. So uh, Simon Sinek does a really good talk that people don't buy your products, they buy your why. And mm. um, it's about getting clear on your why and getting clear on, you know, the happiness of the staff and what you represent and what you embody as a company. Um, so, you know, we're seeing really big shifts um, in companies starting to wake up to this. There was a great report by PwC, PricewaterhouseCoopers, on mental health, and they found that in Australia, mental health is costing our economy a little bit. And that's not cold and flu health, it's mental health. This is people mm. with, you know, stress leave and anxiety and depression and things like that. Um, so, you know, it's really, really important that companies start to embrace techniques of, um, you know, de-excitation and stress management. Um, otherwise, they're, they're going to find that their staff just aren't operating the best as they possibly can. It's half time on the Mojo Show and time to pause for a cause. Hi, I'm Brandon and unfortunately in Australia, around 200,000 dogs and cats are killed in our shelters because they don't have a home. So in order to do that, what we can do is rescue pets and you can find Australia's largest database of rescue pets at petrescue.com.au and find a pet to adopt there from anywhere in Australia. The Mojo Radio Show. So if somebody's listening to this show, Tom, and goes, I've got a business, I could have five people, 20 people, or 800 people working for me. If you were them, what would be the first question you would ask yourself to address this? You know, are my staff happy, healthy, and getting maximum brain function? You've got to understand that every creative vision is simply a concept that's an impulse that comes from a portion of the brain, which is the frontal mm. lobe of the brain. And um, for most of us, when we're stressed, that all of us, when we're, when we're stressed, that frontal lobe of the brain is shut down. We're only operating, operating from reptilian part of the brain, which is this rear sort of very primal survival part of the brain. So, you know, that's why when we're really stressed, you know, it's like, hey, this is, you know, running from a saber-toothed tiger or marauding tribe. It's not the time to be designing an app. It's not the time to be writing a book. It's not the time to be coming up with a new concept for your company. Um, you know, you're really just in pure survival mode. And it's a very clever um, modality or functionality that the brain has because it was a self-preservation mechanism. And when we're very calm and in a very... Um, relaxed space, this whole frontal lobe of the brain starts to function and light up. Uh, it's been proven in meditation that we get much more brain functioning um, from a calm mind. It's really important for companies to um, get maximum creative and adaptability, creativity and adaptability out of their staff. Um, you know, the success of a company is going to be how creative and adaptable it is to situations and circumstances. You don't want to be like Nokia or Kodak who, you know, just simply lacked adaptability to changing situations, changing environments and uh, go from the leaders in their field, Kodak and Nokia, to 
Well, Kodak became bankrupt, and Nokia, I think, is just struggling to survive. They went from yeah. 78% of market share of mobile phones down to, I think, 5% now. Mm. So, you know, it's just about creativity and adaptability. It's simple as that. Something you tweeted recently, uh, Tom, was a, a quote by Winston Churchill, and you said, the price of greatness is responsibility. What do you think is our greatest responsibility to ourselves at the moment? It's a great question, and I think we're really ultimately here for one thing and if you look at the matrix <laughs> the movie and the oracle says to neo know thyself and i think you know that's ultimately the, the root cause of not cause but the root responsibility of what we're here for is to know truth and that can be a long esoteric conversation we could probably have at another time but mm. i think the number one priority is to to find a, an inner peace and balance to find uh, a space of lovingness and gentleness and kindness and joy within ourselves. And our actions will flow from that space. First, we've got to capture that energetic state of integrity inside of us. And from there, you'll find um, the actions will flow very differently from that energetic state. And I think that's the number one responsibility that we have. So it's interesting, Tom. I, I hear you talking. You obviously had a different life when you're on the trading floor, run by adrenaline, and doing that whole lifestyle, which is a complete 360 to where you are today in what you're doing, how you're helping people and having your, your purpose in life. How do, how do you check in to know that you do have your true self? Or if you go, you know what, I don't think I really am. I think I'm, run, I'm living someone else's life. Is there something you would give as a tip to straddle those two things as a check-in or a step forward? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, it's something we can spend a lot of time talking about. But in brief, uh, let's get, get clear about self, the word self, um, because there's a lot of sort of loose dialogue around that word self. So we have small self with a small S and we have uh, large self with a capital S. So small self is, I'm Tom Cronin, I have a personality, I have an ego, I have um, conditioning, I have a mind, I have emotional states and I have physical state. And these are what I call the three vehicles, physical, mental and emotional. Um, they're not my truth, they're just the vehicle that I'm going to lug around for 80, 90, 100, 140 years of the time that I'm going to be manifest. But self with a capital S is this non-change and it's something that doesn't vary. So myself, when I was a broker and myself that's now with the capital S is still the same and it will always be the same just mm. as the wave will always be the ocean, whether it's a skinny wave, a fat wave, a tall wave or a short wave, they will always have the underlying essence of being the ocean. So that's self with a capital S. And that never changes. And whether you're manifest or not, there's still self. What we have a small self when we're looking to, um, you know, identify with large self or non-change self, um, that's the variable. Small self is the constant variable. So my mind, the way it thinks today is very different to the way it used to think. Mm. My emotional state today is very different to the way it used to, to feel. And my physical state is actually very different to the way it used to uh, function as well. So that's the variable, the three vehicles, your mind, body, and emotions. And they're the ones we have the ability to, to adapt and change and evolve. And I would simply look at um, what is the non-change that you're experiencing behind the change? A little bit esoteric, I know, but, um, you know, hopefully some of you can, can grasp that. But <laughs> the, way we access, the way we access that is in meditation because when we transcend the mind, body, and emotional state in transcendence, we access self, which is the non-change. So we get this experience of 
wow, you know, it's, it's, there's an awareness that something's present here that's not changing. Mm-hmm. Oprah Winfrey calls it that space. She says it's only from that space can you create your best work and your best life. Um, and, you know, other, you know, philosophers will talk about, you know, connecting with this space beyond the thought. And, you know, this is the, the self that we talk about that doesn't change. And the best way to, to get to that, to know truth and know true self is, I believe, to to go beyond the layers of, um, you know, the individual egoic state in stillness or meditation and connect with, you know, that the, the all-pervasive state of oceanic self. It's interesting, Tom. Um, Rob and I do a segment called The Lessons of Rock. And recently we did a little piece on Leonard Cohen, who sort of dropped out of being a, a, a beautiful singer-songwriter, poet, and decided to study Zen and Zen meditation. And there was a quote he said to The Guardian in England. He said, if you sit there long enough, you run through all the alternative ways the events in your life could have turned out. After a while, the activity of thinking, that interior chatter begins to subside from time to time. Is it that subsiding of chatter, that internal dialogue that subsides from time to time, is that what you're talking about here and trying to get down to understand the the little self, the small self? The ability to observe what we're thinking is the ability to observe what actions we're taking from what I call the independent observer, which is a knower. There's a a knower beyond Mm. your thought. there's There's a conscious observer that can observe the process of you thinking. And um, that's a very important piece of introspection. But Mm -hmm. the key to that process is to be able to become one with that observer, to connect with that observer, to to have that observer present. And that comes through the transcendence of of the thinking process. Um, But, yeah, absolutely, as you're you're moving into transcendence, you'll notice that there's a lot of noise there inside the mind. There's a lot of chatter. Through regular meditation practice, what happens is that there's just generally um, a quietening of the mind over time on a daily basis anyway. So a lot of the time, you're just sitting there without any noise, without any chatter. And the mind becomes a piece of apparatus that you choose to use when you want to, and when you don't, it's just Mm. fairly quiet most of the time. And you're just dealing with day-to-day decisions like, do I want to have oats for breakfast or eggs? I love that independent observer. Observe the process of your own thinking. I reckon that's, that's gold. There's gold in, in the Gold! Do you have any typical daily rituals that are non-negotiables, either at the start of the day or the end of the day? Or th- yeah, absolutely, I do. And this is a very important part to my day and wellness. You know, it's, uh, you know, uh, for me, two meditations a day is an unconditional part of my day. Uh, 20 minutes morning, 20 minutes in the afternoon. Uh, a gym or a yoga workout, so something physical. I know a lot of people would say yoga is a meditation, but yoga is a physical asana for me, a physical practice. So I will do today was gym, tomorrow will be yoga. No time with my family is a very important part of it. Um, having a green smoothie uh, pretty much most days from our garden, fresh greens from the garden. And, um, you know, a lot of these things, just taking time out every now and then and yeah, uh, reading some valuable high-grade content that someone else has written. Yeah. Um, some positive books and text, spiritual texts is something that I like to embrace on a daily basis. So 
a lot of people are probably thinking, geez, you know, you haven't got much left, but you know, in your day, but you'd be surprised how productive you come. You know, it's I do yeah. ten times more now than I ever did. Um, yeah. I guess I just do it without the stress response. Um, a couple of things on that. What's the, what's the recipe for your green smoothie? What's your secret sauce? Well, my favourite green smoothie. We kind of don't really stick with any structured plan. Yeah. It's whatever's you know whatever we picked up in the markets on Saturday, the growers' market, and whatever's in the garden. Um, but my favourite ones are, you know, things like with a green base, which would be my parsley, um, you know, some some dark leaf lettuces and maybe some um, some kale or spinach. And, um, and then I'll chuck in a lemon or a lime and some apple. Right. So it, it's got uh, a little bit of sweetness from the apple, but mm. um, the, tartness, the tartness from the lemon or the lime to me is really what makes it work. And, and lots of water. I think a green smoothie needs to be fairly fairly liquid and drinkable. Some of them are a little bit too crunchy and not very well blended. So um, <laughs> I like to have mine nice and liquid. A, a drink rather than a salad, is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like if it doesn't go through a straw, I don't want it. <laughs> it makes me think of something just to finish up with, Tom. I'm just curious on your perspective on a word you call discontentmentitis. Yeah. Where we have these high expectations about our life and relationships and stuff, but we're always feeling as though it's never good enough and you, you have... You've, Got this term. I don't know. I don't know whether it's your term or a term yeah, you found called discontentmentitis. Can you just give us a, a an idea of this word? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you think about it. You know, you look back at medieval movies, right? And you think these guys were in mud and they're in little huts and it lifeless looked terrible, right? And they had no electricity, no plasma TV screens. It was. It looked pretty tough back then, but they managed to cope all right. And, you know, you look at today's world and we've just got so much. We've just got mm. such charming lives. I mean, I'm talking generally. There's a lot of people that have very difficult lives, don't get me wrong. But for the, the whole across the broad spectrum of Western society, we have really, really good lives, but um, we just fail to appreciate it and um, we really fail to recognise it and have gratitude for what we do have. And uh, I'm in that boat just with everyone else. You know, I, mm. I have an amazing life and there's still sometimes I think, why can't it be better? You know, just, why isn't this working for me? And, and you know, I, I, one of the things that I write are really lessons that I need to learn myself mm. that I'm just sharing with other people. Um, so that was definitely one that I had that week, I think. Cool word. Hmm. It's a, it'll probably be a disease that doctors will be able to put a tag on. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's a tablet for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If there isn't, there soon will be time. I saw on yeah, TV yeah, yesterday there's an, there's an exercise pill now. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I saw that. Did I you see that? that? Yeah. God. How good. We don't have to go to the gym anymore. Yeah, we'll that's right. We'll be, we'll be healthy. Yeah, exactly. It's funny how the guy comes on, on the, in the interview and says, well, you know, it actually doesn't replace exercise, but I'm sure that won't be displayed on the bottle when you buy it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <Yeah. laughs> uh, I'm just going to the gym today. I'm going to the, the pharmacy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, when, when, you de- when you decide whether you're going to do your yoga or whether you're going to go to the gym, it'll just be which pill am I going to take this morning? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Well, Tom, this has been... Um, a real treat talking to you, mate. I um, I love your story. I love what you're doing. And I think that one of the things to write in your notebook tonight is you ha- you are having a great impact on a lot of people. In fact, Rob and I interviewed Jacinta McDonald uh, for oh, the show. Great, yeah. yeah, just last week. And, she, and we mentioned the fact we were going to be talking to you about silence and stillness and mindfulness. And she said she'd done a gig with you and she found it terrific. So I think, you know, you are impacted with your stuff, mate. And 
you walk the talk and you're very open with what you're doing. And um, it's been a real treat. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time, mate. Agreed. Pleasure, guys. Great chatting. Mm. It's been really good. And I uh, hope we can keep in touch and, um, and see you around soon. Absolutely. The Mojo Radio Show. So... <laughs> That was a, that was an awesome interview, by the way. But I just want to go back to your intro, Glenn Campbell. You mean this guy? Like a rhinestone cowboy. Is that who you're talking about? Yeah, mate. We've been mates. We've been mates for years. We go back. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, um, we used to go riding out the back of uh, Yarraman together. And uh, oh, so he's a cowboy. for a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it had to be said. It had to be said. You can take the boy out of the country, but you can't, you can't take, take the country the, out, of the out of the boy. Yeah, there you go. Uh, now, to finish up the show, my friend, mm. I have got a lesson in rock. God of rock, thank you for this chance to kick ass. The Mojo Radio Show's Lessons in Rock. Been doing your research this week. I have. This is a great story. I, I, I use this a lot. Now, you know that I work with different people around the world one-on-one in a program yep. I call Mojo One-to-One. And mm-hmm. just recently, somebody had this dream of creating a new business. And in us putting it together and me helping them with the steps and building strategies and stuff and, and articulate the dream... They said, well, I should have something to fall back on. I should have a fallback plan just in case it doesn't work. And hence my lesson in rock this week comes from two brothers called Branford Marcellus and Winton Marcellus. Do those names mean anything to you? Yeah, they ring a bell. They do ring a musical bell indeed. They were two of the greatest jazz musicians in the world and their Mm. father was a very famous uh, musician, the Marcellus Mm. family. And... The boys used to play percussion for Sting. And in an interview with, uh, I think it was Branford Marcellus, he talked about growing up and his mum said, what do you want to do with your life? And he said, I want to be a musician. She said, well, you need to stay at school and keep studying because you need to have a fallback plan. And in the case it doesn't work, you need something to fall back on. And he went, well, that's really good advice. So one day he was talking to his dad and his dad said, what do you want to do with your life? And he said, I want to be a musician. And he went, I think it's fantastic. And then he said, but mum reckons I should have a fallback plan, have something to fall back on. Mm. And his dad said to him, son, if you've got a fallback plan, it means you're planning to fall back. If you're going to be a musician, you have to give everything, Mm. everything to being a musician. You build a fallback plan, it means you plan to fall back. And... I just thought it was a great lesson in rock that mm. if you have a passion like the girls from Ulverpact, if you're going to do the impossible, mm. you can't do that thinking, well, if it doesn't work, I'm going to do this because your brain doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's imaginary. And if you've got a fallback plan, it means it's okay for it not to work. Yeah, right. I love that story and I use that a lot That's with great. myself and with people that I'm working with on mm. a one-to-one situation with their strategies is that if you're going to dream about something, you've got to go helter-skelter into it and give it your best. How about that? That's, um, that's funny because that rings a bell because my, my dad's a, a country boy. He grew up in country New South Wales and when I told him I wanted to go off and be in radio, his first words to me, well, you're going to come to work with me and you're going to do your butcher's apprenticeship before you go off and do that fancy radio. So... There you go, been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, and I think the nice thing is that the, the, there's a generation coming through now that are literally 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Yeah. Where they can only see one thing, and they, you know, it's to hell with anybody else's opinions, anybody else's advice and stuff. It's just 
I can do this. I've got a dream. I'm going to have a crack yeah. at it. And if it doesn't work, at least I won't die wondering. And I must say, I wish I'd have gotten on yeah. that earlier in my life. I would have made a lot of different decisions when I was a kid. Um, but I like that. If you're going to have a fallback plan, it means you're planning to fall back. So um, thank you, Branford. Thank you, Winton Marcellus. Thank you, Ball Boys. Thank you, Lions. I think we're done. <laughs> I think we are. Oh, one quick one. Got to give a quick shout out to, um, to Rocky Lacey. Rocky. The Mojo Radio Show. Who yeah, I presume has, um, has discovered the Mojo Radio Show. Rocky's our first super fan. <laughs> I think so. I woke up this morning to find 13 different posts on our, our Facebook page. All of them brilliant, Rocky, by the Go way. Rocky. Thank you so much. But, um, <laughs> now, Rocky, we've got something for you, buddy. You yeah. are our first Mojo Radio Show super fan. So you get the mm. laminate to the Mojo Radio <laughs> Show mosh pit. <laughs> Uh, uh, what can we send? Yeah. What can we an send? An invitation Rocky? to the Mojo Show, to, an invitation <laughs> to the Mojo Show climbing wall. Um, <laughs> I reckon. I reckon the Christmas party. The Christmas party. Yeah, I think that's a cup of coffee at Robbo's place, isn't it? In the studio. <laughs> but I think, I think, in all seriousness, I think Rocky deserves a packet of Tim Tams and a Dead Daisy CD. Absolutely, don't you? mate. Uh, Rocky, mate. Uh, jump, jump back on the Facebook page and PM us yeah. your address, and we'll get it out yeah. to you. Thanks, buddy. Rocky, brother. That uh, that means a lot, yeah. mate. It gets our mojo working. We. We woke up and just found that, thought that was the coolest thing ever. We uh, we felt like we're uh, John Krabi from the Dead Daisies, an adoring fan. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Hey, if you want to see what they're up to, check out their Facebook page too. They've been in oh, Russia. Man. They have got a fantastic Instagram. Speaking of which, just two things on that. Uh, the Dead Daisies Instagram account is super cool. Like the stuff, the photography of the way of their travels through Stockholm and Russia and, and all that sort of stuff is brilliant. The photography is beautiful. Mm. Um, but secondly, mm. um, I got word last night, Robo, that we are interviewing uh, mm. David Lowy. Oh, nice. So David Lowy yeah, he's a lovely is guy. formerly one of the Lowy family who created the greatest shopping centre business in the world, coming from the billionaire family, the Lowy family at Westfield Shopping Centres. Um, and he's also a guitarist with the Dead Daisies who currently is in Europe and he's doing an interview with us yeah. this week, which will be coming up later in the year. So that's a massive coup to see how to... He, he, is, he is the absolute rock and roll businessman. I cannot wait to get on the on the line with him. It's it's a, such a massive... They're worlds apart, aren't they? Rock and roll guitarist. And, and in fact, he, he's actually... The reason we got hold of him is because he's actually on tour with the Daisies, but he's got to come back for business. Yeah. So it's like it's so un-rock and roll. But it's funny because when we introduced the band at Fraser Motorcycles that day, which was awesome, um, you and I were yeah. backstage, and I don't know who you were talking to, but I got introduced by Cat. Kat Swinton, who is their oh, okay. excellent yep. PR person. Kat introduced me mm. to David and I looked at him and I went, you're David Lowy from the Westfield Lowy's, aren't you? Because I recognise because he looks like Frank. And that's how it yep. started. And before he went on stage to rock the place, we talked for maybe 10 minutes about people we knew and Westfield, everything else, supposed to mm. work for them. And um, mm. I couldn't stop thinking about it. So I got in touch with Kat, who's the beautiful Kat, um, who's lined it up. So that will be an absolute Huge. cracking yeah. interview with the rock and roll business. You know what? I might even do some research for that one. I'm telling you, mate, just <laughs> imagine what they've created around the world with Westfield. I mean, they have they yeah, have got the totally. most amazing shopping centres here and in yep. London, around the world and stuff. And yet here he is, he's on tour with this great rock band with guys like White Snake and, uh, and uh, Motley Crue. It's just, I just can't get my yep. head around. It's fantastic. Anyway, there you go. Indeed. I'm excited. Mm. Big one. Yep, looking forward to that. In the meantime, uh, 
What should we play out with this week, do you reckon? Rides to Cowboy. <laughs> right, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bung on a bit of a favourite. Cold Chisel are on tour at the moment. And a couple of years ago, I had Jimmy Barnes and Diesel and his beautiful daughter Mahalia in the studio. And uh, they did this version of Flame Trees for an a, 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 a flight program that I was working on back then, actually. So um, I reckon we might play out with that. Right, done. Here's a song written by Don Walker and Steve Preswich. It's a tune about going back to your hometown on Virgin. <laughs> Flying home to your hometown on Virgin and seeing, you know, all the girls used to hang out with and the bars used to go to. <laughs> I get paid extra for that intro.
Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at the Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peters speaking. See you next time.